In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, in the opening lines of today's epistle, St. Peter, the first Pope of the Catholic Church, tells us, beseeches us, not to have carnal desires. Meanwhile, everything in our secular society today beseeches us to have carnal desires. There's a vast difference of perspective between St. Peter and our world. And we should not find this difference in viewpoint surprising because our Lord himself told St. Peter at the Last Supper that the world would hate him. He told St. Peter that he was not of this world. And St. Peter tells us the same, we who are here in this room, by saying that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. We do not belong to this world. And if we look for a first reason for this opposition between St. Peter's viewpoint and the viewpoint of the world, it is simply this, that we Christians, we followers of Christ, do not belong to this world. And we acknowledge that. Whereas worldlings, by definition, do belong to this world. They live in this world, they love this world, they wallow in everything that the world has to offer. And it's only natural that there be an opposition when you have two sets of people like this who have completely different viewpoints. We Christians, we Catholics, we walk around saying that this world is passing, that our real goal in this life is another world, the world of heaven, and that we must despise the things of the world. And when worldlings hear this kind of language, they are upset, they're angry since that Christian message is completely opposed to their own message. For them, this world is the only world. This world is everything. The real life is seeking pleasure, seeking fame, seeking glory, and to pass up the pleasures of this world for something else is completely foolish. And anyone who preaches otherwise must be opposed. Worldlings, in short, will never ever be satisfied with us as Christians until we become worldlings. There's, until that happens, there's always going to be this diametrical opposition between us and them. They're going to hate you and persecute you as long as you lead a life that has a completely different purpose from their own life. You don't even have to preach a sermon for them to be upset. All you have to do is manifest that you are not living for this world, that you are a stranger and a pilgrim here below. <clears throat> the world sees and has always seen a membership in a supernatural church as a reproach to their own way of life and even as a threat to society. And they will not be happy until you approve what they do and how they do it. But St. Peter is telling us today to avoid that at all costs. Don't become a worldling. Don't immerse yourselves in this world. You are strangers and pilgrims. You are meant for a different world. He's telling us, above all, not to follow the impulses of our body or our passions, because that is the primary characteristic of the world, to sort of let things go, whatever 
passions come up from our lower faculties, allow them to wash over us and drive us to do whatever it may be. Indulge your passions. Why is St. Peter telling us to avoid them? Because he's very concerned about the effects of doing that, of letting things go. He knows what those desires do to us. He tells us they war against your soul. They destroy your soul. Is the world concerned about that? When the world tells us you've got to let yourself go, immerse yourselves in sensual pleasure, is the world worried that such behavior will be harmful? Of course not. It's rather the contrary. For the world, giving in to these carnal desires is something glorious. It's a certain fulfillment. It's a certain satisfaction, without which you cannot be complete as a human being. Why doesn't the world fear these carnal desires? Why doesn't it fear these desires destroying our higher part, our immortal soul? It's very simple. It's because the world does not believe in the soul. If the world is anything, the world is materialist. So the world does not believe that we are anything more than bodies. And so it considers all the impulses of the body to be good and as having a certain right to, to be satisfied whenever they, they cry out for whatever. In other words, the world is so worldly that this world is the only world it can see and think about. And it does not think that you have a soul that came from God in another world. And it does not think that you have a soul that one day will return to God in another world. It only sees this world. It just sees you and me and the rest of human beings as animal bodies that can talk and think. And it's only when you realize this that you can understand why the world has no fear of carnal desires and the indulgence of carnal desires. Though St. Peter fears these carnal desires, and certainly he warns us against them. Why does the world, we may ask ourselves, why does the world have no problem with fornication, adultery, birth control, abortion, homosexuality, pornography, drunkenness, gluttony, smoking drugs, and all other manner of gratification, of sensual pleasure? And the reason is because for them we are just bodies. We are just material chunks of flesh that can sense pleasure. And therefore, any gratification of the body is, by definition, a good thing. And the only reason the world can think about why someone should restrain themselves in these areas is if it might put a limitation on someone else gratifying their own bodies. Um, if, if your gratification interferes, interferes with someone else's gratification, if it's going to harm someone else, they say, then you must not do it. But otherwise, if it does not, if in any other context where it does not, then go ahead. Go ahead and indulge yourself. What could possibly be wrong? Well, what is wrong is, quite simply, that we do have a soul. That soul is, Im is immaterial, while the world is material. Our soul comes from above, while our body comes from below. We get our body from the slime of the earth, whereas we get our soul directly 
from the immortal God, the immaterial God. And we're made of these two parts, soul and body. And because we have these two parts, one of the two has to have the upper hand. Either the soul is going to govern the body, or the body is going to govern the soul, one or the other. And what St. Peter especially wants is he wants our souls to have the upper hand through the whole of our life. He doesn't want our souls to be governed by our bodies, and he gives us warning. He says, if you gratify your senses, if you let them go, then your soul will be destroyed. Your soul will lose control over your body to precisely to the degree that you gratify your senses instead of subjecting them to reason. And in the end, we have to be very careful in our life about any stimulation that we give to ourselves. We have to be very careful. Any excitement of our lower faculties can create a habit in us that slowly but surely takes over our reason and our will. We, we may say that any uh, excitement or stimulation has in, in, it, in itself the seeds of an addiction if we let it go, if we just start to indulge in uh, that particular excitement or stimulation with, without any restraint. Think of someone who's an alcoholic. He wasn't always an alcoholic. At one time, he was a sober man. Well, what happened to him? Well, it all began with a state that he was in. Perhaps it was, state, it was a state of boredom. Perhaps it was a state of stress or fatigue. Perhaps it was a state of sadness or depression. And that state created in him a desire for excitement, a desire for some consolation, for some pleasure, for some bodily relief. <clears throat> and he said, well, I'm just will console myself with some alcohol. And so he got himself a few glasses of wine. He felt better. He didn't get drunk. Everything was okay. Then the same thing happens a few days later. He's back in that state of stress or boredom or fatigue, and his body wants consolation. His body wants some sort of, um, I don't know, uh, fulfillment or, or pleasure to relieve that stress of the soul. So he drinks a few more glasses of wine and he goes to bed. And what's happening is he's, develop, he's developing a habit that, that seeds those seeds of addiction that are possible in any stimulation of our, of our body were, were starting to, to bear fruit. Um, he's starting to create a rule for his life. Whenever I'm bored or sad or tired or stressed out, this is my go-to solution. I'm going to drink. I drink alcohol. And this says to his body, all you need to do is to have this movement of desire for consolation, and I will give it to you. I will indulge you. Whenever you are in this state and you cry out, I will obey. And one of the problems uh, that is part of our human nature is, is that when we overstimulate our body in, in any area, slowly but surely we become numb to the pleasures. At first it's quite pleasurable, but over time it becomes less and less pleasurable. 
And so in order to get that same level of excitement that we had at the beginning, then we've got to increase the, the, the input of stimulation. And so there's this, there's this exponential curve of stimulation that, that we have to feed our, our sensual person, as it were. And so it becomes boring over time for, for this man to, to drink a few glasses of wine. Then it becomes boring for him to get drunk on wine. Um, that's not enough. Harder liquor is needed to satisfy his desire for consolation. Then perhaps he'll move to some rum and coke. Perhaps he'll go to some liqueurs. And perhaps he ends in just taking whiskey straight from the bottle. And during this entire process from being a sober man to being an alcoholic, the body is gaining greater and greater control over the soul. The faculties of the intellect and the will are becoming weaker and weaker. Slowly over time, he's no longer able to judge what's best for him. And he's no longer able to decide what he needs to do in order to direct himself towards his true interest. Whenever the body's in that state, he just gives in. A new law arises for the alcoholic. When I'm bored, I get drunk. When I'm sad, I get drunk. When I'm stressed out, I get drunk. When I'm awake, I get drunk. It's taken over his whole life. The carnal desires at that point have destroyed his soul. All he can do, he can't think, he can't choose. All he can do is act to go to the bottle. And this is precisely what St. Peter is worried about. This is precisely what he's warning us about today. And I only use alcohol as an example. It can, as I say, it can happen with any stimulation of ourselves. If you give in to your body's emotions on a regular basis by giving it some excitement or stimulation when it asks for it, then you're on the road to losing control of your life. Some people drink, some people eat food, some people gamble, some people watch pornography, some people get angry. That's their stimulation, that's their fix. Some people watch videos of disasters. They enjoy that, that gives them a stimulation. Some people go on a social media binge. Some people go on a shopping binge. Whatever it may be, this is the process by which a Christian is turned into a worldling by which the human soul is destroyed and the only thing left is material body. By all of our perception of our supernatural goal and of, of um, the fact that we're created for God, that we're created for another world, all of that is just wiped out and destroyed over time by the materialization of our, of our person, of our very person. We have to be careful of any stimulation that we give ourselves that is just a means to remove sadness or boredom or fatigue. That stimulation, if we're not careful, can lead to the destruction of our souls. What is the solution to this? Of course, the solution is to, to control ourselves, not, not to give in to our carnal desires. And perhaps when, when we were stressed out or bored or, or fatigued or, or sad, um, that, that we find something healthy to, to relieve that, that state. Um, but of course, the solution is, is much more than simply controlling ourselves. Uh, we do have to have this very strong conviction and belief in the existence of our souls. And we have to believe truly that we are only strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We're not made for this life. 
It's just passing. It's going to be gone very soon. We're just passing through. Our real home is heaven where our Lord and our Lady dwell. You have to cherish and appreciate your immortal soul above all things in this life. And you have to understand deeply that you are not made for this world. You are made for heaven and heaven alone. You are made for God alone. That is your very purpose. And in a sense, this is what the whole Easter season is about, to remind us that we are made for heaven. At the Last Supper, as, as we just read, you know, our Lord tells the apostles that he's going to leave them, and that in a little while, he will not see them any longer, and they're going to be sad. But he also says, a little while again, and you will see me, and your sadness will be turned into joy. It's only a temporary sadness, because where he's going, our true home, heaven, he's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to get things ready, so that there's, there's like a room with your name on it, in heaven, that, that he's getting ready for you to go to. It's by our union with our Lord, by the grace that, that he gives us, that we have the power to put to death the desires of the flesh which seek to kill our soul. We have this power to reject all the solicitations of the world. We have the power to walk in a world just given over to pleasure and self-gratification and never use anything in this world as a means to destroy our souls. In other words, we have the power through the grace of our Lord to control our lives, to actually direct ourselves to what we want, which is the good of our soul, our Lord, heaven. As you know, tomorrow is the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, your patronal feast. And Our Lady, because she is a good mother, she is the best of mothers, she's concerned about our carnal desires destroying our souls. She, as you know, showed the three children a vision of hell, showed them what it was like when the carnal desires were left to, to go on their own, and the final result of that taking over of, of the soul by the body. She told Jacinta that many souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh. And it's so important for us in this struggle that we have in this life to um, enable our souls to have the upper hand always, that we have a very close and deep devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, to our mother. And this is above all true in the month of May, her month. She will take care of our souls if we entrust them to her, if we, if we go to her, uh, especially in those times when we're, we're bored or tired or stressed out or sad, if we go to her and ask her for that strength that we need, that strength to overcome the, the destructive desires of the flesh. Um, she will take care of our souls, she will keep us pure, and she will prepare with her son a place for us in heaven. Withdraw yourself from carnal desires that war against your soul. Seek the things that are above in heaven where our Lord Jesus Christ and his mother dwells. And one day, you will be with him and her forever in endless joy in your true home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.